Hello, and welcome back to History for Today. This morning, I would like to talk about visualizing historiography. And this is actually based on some thoughts that I blogged about in 2009 or 2010, when I was a grad student studying for my oral exams at the University of Massachusetts. I spent a lot of time while I was a grad student in a library carol, reading through piles and piles of books. UMass was about an hour's drive from my home in Keene. So that five by eight or six by eight tiny little room on the 19th floor of the library tower was my home away from home. I could store all the books that I had grabbed off of the library stacks in the tower uh, and also had requested via interlibrary loan and put them there only needing to stuff a couple into my backpack every evening that I could take home with me to New Hampshire. I tried to keep track of the connections between the books that I was reading, and that simultaneously got me wondering how I should think about the historiography of my field for my particular comps project. Did it make sense to trace the development of sub-disciplines like the new social history or to group all labor historians regardless of the techniques that they used? And this question became even a little bit trickier for me when I found that the subject that I was pursuing and exploring, American rural history, had much fuzzier edges than labor did or than even its counterpart urban history did, which was much more distinctly organized. Being a nerd, I naturally looked to the computer for tools. I loved EndNote. That was my uh, bibliographical tool at the time before the company was bought by Thomson Reuters and it just became too expensive with the annual updates and upgrade fees. But even then, it didn't really give me the note-taking and visual elements that I was hoping for. So I started using an app called Tinderbox which let me really extend the whole post-it notes on the plate glass window metaphor to extremes. But looking at the historiography visually had its advantages. The way that I did this was I thought I would draw American historiography as a tree so that I would be able to see how the different topics that I was tracing would emerge like branches as I got closer to the present from a less differentiated trunk that was the body of earlier classic works. My reading list included a lot of the iconic authors in the trunk area, but more single distinct texts in the leaves area at the top closer to the present. Time will tell, of course, whether those historians in the last few decades that were in this leaf area will ultimately emerge as trunk historical material, or whether some of the current subdisciplinary divisions will become permanent, leaving us without a single trunk as I was visualizing it at all. The inclusion and the placement and the arrangement of the authors in my little tree, of course, was completely arbitrary. And it represented my evolving ideas, not only about how this material fit together, but about how it was becoming meaningful to me. 
One of the interesting things I noticed as I began building this list was how much historiographies reflect the interests of their makers. The crowded red leaves on the left, for example, represent labor historians discussed in Frank Kuvaris' book, The Interpretations of American History, which was one of my initial sources. I assumed that as I looked at each one of those authors, some of them would probably ultimately fall out of my tree. Similarly, as I continued reading more and more environmental histories, I was able to add more blue leaves to the tree and to make the appropriate connections between them. The hidden advantage of Tinderbox, I thought, was that all of the content was in XML, which meant that it would be live and searchable. Uh, that would mean that I could create agents that would sift all of the pages behind these leaves where I had attached my abstracts and my reviews of these titles and ideas of my own for my own writing and even just random notes. I thought that it would be easy to see all the historians, for example, who had responded to Charles Beard or to Frederick Jackson Turner or all of the books that discussed free banking or the agrarian myth. The disadvantage, it turned out, was the very steep learning curve of Tinderbox, which made it very difficult for me to actually do many of the things that I knew could be done. That's why in the end, I've moved on to newer tools like Margin Note 3 and ultimately Rome Research. The output side of this process is still a little bit sketchy in my mind, almost a dozen years later. In the long run, I'd like to post something that will allow readers to navigate through the tree and to take journeys on their own, to explore some of the material behind the leaves. But that's several steps farther than I've gotten in exploring the software and in also refining my own ideas. Thinking about output, though, helped me to grapple as I was doing this with the difference between learning this material myself and communicating it to others, with taking what I've picked up on a personal journey through this material and finding out what is relevant and interesting to other people. This process, of course, continues now that I'm not just doing this for my own sake and in service of my own projects, but to teach other student historians how to do it too. That is what I'll be working on going forward. So I hope you found this somewhat interesting. Thanks for listening. I'll see you again next time.